Um, before I begin, oh, no, go ahead and begin. This morning I want to speak on the Christmas miracle. Isaiah 9 and 6, a familiar passage before I pray. Isaiah 9 and 6, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government, everyone say the government. Everyone say the government will be upon his shoulders and his name will be called the Wonderful, the Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and his peace. Everyone say peace. There shall be no end. I want to speak this morning on Christmas miracle. Father, thank you for your sweet spirit in this house. Thank you for those that are here, those that are listening by podcast. Speak to them. Come, Holy Spirit, and do what you do best. Speak to your people out of your love and out of your richness. Let us receive from you hope in this season. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. Um, talk about the Christmas miracle. And, uh, you know, there's two little Christmas miracles in West Monroe, Louisiana. And uh, it's my niece and nephew's children. You know, I've told their story. They've been on Rattled. Um, they have an amazing story. Allie endured breast cancer and um, for a couple of years. And they said she would never have children. She even, they went to a fertility specialist. She even um, froze some embryos, as it were, but none of those worked. Um, then they adopted a miracle baby named Genevieve. And then about a year or two later, um, she found out she was miraculously pregnant by the Lord. I mean, by her husband. It was not the virgin birth, but she was miraculously pregnant. So give the Lord a hand clap for that. So that baby's name was Vera, and um, she looked so much like her dad and mom. And then while she was pregnant, she found out that the mother of the first baby they adopted wanted them to take the next baby, the mother steeped in deep addiction and um, knew that Josh and Allie could give this, these babies a home. And so, um, you know, these are two Christmas miracles. And you would think that when these two miracles get their picture made for Christmas, that they would be full of joy and full of love and be poster boards for, I am a miracle and I give Jesus all the praise. But my sister sent me this last night. And there they are. That's uh, Vera on the right, the child of Allie and Josh, naturally, and, and that is Lydia Joyce on the left, who has my mother's name, who they adopted. Is that not hilarious? Give them a hand. I love that. So this morning, I hope to bring back to you or bring to your remembrance some joy. When I think about the Christmas miracle, I think about, because I see things kind of in a theatrical way, if you haven't figured that out yet. And um, I see that as a great production that Christ put on and the Father and the Holy Spirit. When I think about it, I think of the plot. And the plot was redemption. Everyone say redemption. The plot was simple and plain. Recover that which had been lost. The cast, what I love in these people that I'm going to go through in the next 30 minutes, if I forget to tell you, some were very rich. Some were extremely poor. Some were very known in religious circles, and some were not known at all, proving to you and I that the Christmas miracle comes to us, whether we are poor or rich, whether we are well-known or unknown, that the miracles of God have no discernment in the fact of excluding you, excluding you. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise for that this morning. And if I told you a few things about them, they were servants. I want to tell you up, up and out of the gate this morning, to be using God in the great miracle in planet Earth, we've got to be servants. You'll never get to a time that you are, don't need to serve. They were willing. They said, I'm yours. In fact, I'm in Nazareth. It was removed by the first time I went with Brother Perry. I've gone a couple of times with Brother Perry. But it was removed out of Nazareth. There was a beautiful statue in Nazareth where supposedly uh, Mary received the word from the angel. And uh, it was so beautiful, and it was entitled, I'm yours. But it was so breathtakingly beautiful when you look up pictures of it because it was such openness to the ways of the Lord. They removed the statue because people started worshiping the statue more than Jesus. Oh, my. But someone say willing that Christmas miracle, the miracles that we need in our life this year, that the Christmas story tells us we've got to be willing and to believe him when he tells you to do something. And above all, the author. The author is the creator of life. I want to read the back of a book that Pastor Hank usually reads at Christmas. It's about the war in the heavenlies that went on when God was sending his seed to the earth in Jesus Christ. The two stood facing each other, God robed in light, each thread glowing, 
Satan was canopied in evil, the very fabric of his robe seeming to crawl. Satan rose slowly off his haunches. Like a weary wolf, he walked a wide circle toward the desk until he stood before the volume and he read the word, Emmanuel, 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 he muttered to himself. God with us, the hooded head turned squarely toward the face of the father. No, not even you would do that. Not even you would go so far. The plan is bizarre. You don't know how dark I've made the earth. It's putrid. It's evil. It's God responded, it is mine, and I will reclaim what is mine. Why, Satan asked, why would you do this? And the father's voice echoed in all eternity, saying, because I love them. The story of Christmas is a miracle that says to you and I, he will save us. God is with us. I want you to say, God is with us. Christmas is all about God doing whatever it takes to be with you. So on that dark, cold night when the enemy of your soul tells you in the moment of despair that God is not with you, be strong, be vigilant, whether you feel it or not, and stand up and say out loud, God is with us. As John Wesley said, the best of all is God is with us. And guess what? Brother Jerry, it's not just God is with us, it's God rebuilds us. Someone give the hand clap to the Lord this morning. God rebuilds us. In this room this morning, there's people fixing to purchase their first house or their first house together. There's people that are newly engaged. There's people that have been in recovery a long time and have a lot of time behind them. There's leaders, mature, graduates of seminaries, et cetera, et cetera. But there's also those in this room that wonder if you'll ever own anything. The miracle of Christmas says to you, what seems impossible is possible. Can I get an amen? There's ones in this room that wonder, will you ever find your Boaz or Ruth? I mean, you've been around, you've gone on dating sites, you've done all you can know to do, but the Lord says to you this morning, hold on, what seems impossible is possible. God loves us so much, he can't stay away from us, and that's what this story tells God isn't merely 50% or 72.3% for us. He is 100% for us. He likes us. He's so for us. He chose to be with us. Someone say, God with us. And this morning, the Christmas story says to you and I encouragement. Because if we're not careful, we will be defeated by our circumstances. And our hearts will close up to hope. God's word brings that message to us this morning. He's calling you and me to hear, hear by the Spirit. Be open to the promise of hope. Be open to whatever the situation. What are you facing this morning? What are you walking through? What are you needing heaven to do and to get in the middle of? This morning, the Lord tells us when we remember the story to remember, God can do the impossible. Luke 1 opens. You know what? It was the time when miracles began. Everyone say miracles began. Listen, it opens up with an old man, and, and, and he says to the Lord, I'm old, but he's wise enough, Micah, to say, my wife is well advanced. Brothers, when you grow old, you better just say your wife is well advanced. Come on, somebody. Call yourself old, but call her. She is well advanced. She's so mature. And this is a time when miracles began. In Luke 1, it had been a four long neck-straining centuries where nothing was being said from the heavenlies. Think about this. I've I've taught a little bit about this, so I'm not going to maintain or stay a long time right here. In seminary, there's a course you take called the Intertestamental Period. And it's the time from the closing of Malachi to the beginning of Matthew. It's fascinating, but I'm not going to teach it to you. I enjoyed it. But that's where they are. It's kind of like you and, my, you and I. It had been 600 years since Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego cut through the flames of the furnace with a fourth blinding torch from heaven. It had been 800 years when Elijah and Elisha had walked upon the earth and the Erica of miracles had been there. Then in a prayer, in a blink, 400 years later, an angel appears to a man named Zacharias who was barren without the promises of God and says, guess what? At a time you thought the Lord wasn't listening, I, the Lord, was listening to every prayer and a time that you thought not, I've come to fulfill a miracle. Somebody give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Because that says to you and I this morning, at a time that you think not, I remember going through my inner healing. I remember getting very weary in 1983. And my good friend Perry Kite, who's in heaven today, my friend Melissa's first husband, he put his hand out over on my head when I was weary. And the Spirit of the Lord spoke through him in prophecy and said, at a time you think not, 
I'm going to make my will known to you because I didn't know. Have you ever been there? You didn't know whether you were going to go left or you were going to go right. You didn't know which door. Come on, I know I got a friend in the house this morning. You didn't know where to go, what to do, or you're just between good decisions. And at a time I didn't expect, God did the final work, which was the deep healing of my heart and the restoration to the best good-looking Creek Indian ever born on the planet Earth, Hank Davis. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise for that. So here is Zechariah, and here he is in the temple. And he is one of 18,000 priests. But this is the interesting thing. I'm not reading to save time. It says, and the lot, everyone say the lot. And the lot fell to Zechariah to go into the temple and on the day of atonement to offer up sacrifices to the Lord. It looks like a game of dominoes. It looks like a game of bingo. It looks like he just landed there. But do you understand the math I just presented to you? He was one of 18,000. And on that day, at the right time, the lot fell to him. I'm going to tell you, there is no scheme of man, no plan of the enemy that can keep what God has for you from coming. No matter if he has said it, if he has recorded it, if he has deemed it to you, he is going to get you to the right place at the right time in the right moment so heaven can break forth with a swoosh anointing and say at a time that you did not think, I, the Lord, have come to fulfill my good word. Oh, give him praise this morning. Come on. Somebody give the Lord a shout. Someone, someone give the Lord a shout. You, you, you can do it. You can do it. You work with me. We'll go quicker. It's all right. There he was, and the angel tapped him on the shoulder. You know, sometimes the journey to fulfillment, listen to this, is not always fulfilling. The journey to fulfillment is not always fulfilling. In these characters that I'm talking through in the next 25 minutes, we're seeing the high moments. We're seeing the high reel. We're seeing the glorious intervention. We're seeing when angels came down. We're seeing when songs were sung. But I think we would be amiss not to think this morning how many mundane days of servanthood, servanthood they had. Look at your neighbor and say, servanthood. It's a new thing in Tennessee. Bubba, who won the contest the other night, would say that. Servanthood. How many days of just mundane, of clocking in and clocking out, washing clothes, washing dishes. Can I get an amen from anybody in the house? That doing that thing every day and seeing no glorious intervention but living by faith. Journey to fulfillment is not always fulfilling. And if you could interview Zacharias and Elizabeth and those coming behind them in this plot I'm casting this morning, you would know that they would tell you there was many days. Zacharias and Elizabeth, it says about them, they were faithful and righteous. They were blameless, but they were barren. What does that mean? It means they didn't have a children in this day and age. We just say, hey, cool, just, you know, adopt a few. Cool, just invest in other children. But in that day, the false theology was if you didn't have a child, you were cursed. If you didn't have a child, there was something wrong with you. And so people talked about Zachariah and Elizabeth. They'd been eaten up at the dinner table by others. People had probably cast their theories and cast their thoughts on what was wrong with Zacharias and Elizabeth. We must be careful when we judge others because I've learned when I judge someone, I can expect that to come back on me. When I judge someone, I judge why they're doing it or, or how they're doing it, or I, I judge, you know, I, sometimes what irritates me in people, I've learned this through my years. I tell my daughters, learn from my mistakes and don't make the same ones. And this is the truth. If I judge another leader about something or an attitude or the way they do something, eventually that same attitude will start crawling over me. Don't judge. Look at your neighbor and say, don't judge. Because sometimes the journey to fulfillment is not so fulfilling. And these two big people in the opening of this Christmas miracle, God shows us right off the bat that here is Zechariah whose name means, my God is faithful. My God remembers and Elizabeth's names mean my God is an oath. A woman who has been shamed, listen to the Spirit, and disgraced at the barrenness of oaths. Listen. A woman, a man, who is somewhat embarrassed in their secret prayer time of the things that have not been fulfilled in their life that they believe the Lord for. But yet they know God is a God who remembers. God is a God that cannot break his oath. When he said to Israel, I'll swear, but there's no one greater to swear by, so I will swear by myself that I will do good for you. And here they are. And often I think 
brothers and sisters, in these moments, we can be this way too. We can be like, you know what? If God is so good and God is my oath and he remembers, why am I without this promise fulfilled? Why are these things yet not right or put in place in my life? And in secret moments, in prayer rooms, in prayer moments, in worship, we may ask the Lord why. But on this day, an angel suddenly, I love to call this the swoosh anointing. That's another sermon that I'm not going to preach this morning. But the swoosh anointing, when an angel just comes in and taps Zacharias, that it scares the living daylights out of him. And he says, your prayer has been heard. And what's so interesting to me, Devin, is he doesn't say which prayer. You know why he doesn't? Because God has a million ways to work. We just have one to trust him. Come on, somebody. Dodie Osteen was healed by standing physically on top of her Bible. That was a revelation word to her, but it was the scripture in her that healed her. Other people Jesus healed, he touched their eyes and they walked a mile. Others he healed instantaneously, as you saw in this clip. You see, God doesn't tell Zechariah because Zechariah would have written a book. This is the exact way to get your miracle. Do what Zechariah did and you'll get your miracle. No, God left the prayer unsaid and undone. Only this, Zechariah, a long time ago, you prayed for something that meant so much to you and you just put it aside. But I want you to know, as I told Daniel, from the first moment you whispered your prayer, I, the Lord, began to move heaven and earth to do for you what man cannot do. Let me say to you this morning, from the first moment you asked God for some things, God began to do the work. Give him praise in this house. Come on, somebody. Shake off Sunday morning. Miracles, listen, begin understated. Listen to this. Gail, he didn't get up that morning and think, oops, this is it. This is it. He was just faithful. He showed up to empty the water buckets. He showed up to plug in the fontanini. He showed up to clean the bathroom. He showed up to teach children's church. He was at the right place being faithful, doing what he does. You see, servants will see miracles when they stay faithful with a tender servant heart that knows what we do, we do for Jesus, we do not do for man. What we do, we do for Jesus, and we don't look for man to reward us because we know no one can reward like heaven. Can you say amen? Miracles begin understood. Listen, they begin and the earth doesn't shake. Trumpets didn't sound when Zacharias got out of bed that morning. Miracles begin with a plain song of a promise. Sometimes not even fully believed. Zacharias had stopped praying that prayer. But God had not stopped listening. This is always the best place for miracles. When God meets us right where we don't believe. I will tell you when our believing runs out, God's love runs on in. Someone say amen. Have you ever in this house, I know I have, I don't have time to tell you, Abigail, but there's been moments when if God had rewarded me according to my flesh and my spiritual, I would have not gotten the miracle. But some of my greatest miracles have been at the weakest moments. Some of my biggest doors in my life were open for me when I felt least qualified. I mean, there's days you're like, I can rule this world. Pick me now, God. Boy, I'll just put everybody else to shame. Woo, I got some talents and some gifts. Open wide the door, Jehovah, here I come. Come on, somebody. Look at your neighbor and just laugh. But it seems like that God comes to us in moments that we don't even think we're capable. Because dreams will wake you into reality that nothing is impossible for God. Look at your neighbor and say, nothing is impossible for God. When God does a miracle, barren, and what does barren mean before I move on? Barren means to be devoid of something specific. Devoid of something specific. It means that in our hearts there's something we believe for, but it's not yet been fulfilled. There's other things fulfilled, but not this. It means in the time of miracles, dreams become reality, and nothing is impossible. That's what the angel plainly said to Zechariah. God remembers, and God is your oath, and God is gracious. And I want to tell you this this morning. The most wonderful and beautiful thing is that God is gracious, God remembers, and God will remember his oath. Can you say amen? Your name has been drawn, just like Zechariah. This morning in the season of miracles, when every mall and store is playing, oh, come let us adore him, when Hallmark is torturing some and blessing others, when all these things are going on, it's a season of beauty. Just as Zachariah's name, listen to the Spirit, has been drawn, so has yours. Your name has been drawn this morning. Your name has been drawn.
for the supernatural intervention of God. I don't always know what that's going to look like for me or for you. Give up trying to be self-made. This is your gift to him. Simply come. You always get a Christmas miracle. Listen to me. You get God with you. There is no better Christmas miracle. There is nothing greater. God withholds nothing good from those that he loves. He doesn't withhold Jesus from you. God gives God. What the Almighty did brought life in the physical realm, brought supernatural hope, and it also brings supernatural hope for you and I in marriages, in businesses, in hearts, in minds, in souls, where life or love, hope or strength, promise or patience has disappointed or never been there all. He comes to offer the miracle. The Almighty offers you and I the promise of things we feel totally outside the probability of possibility. All he calls you for this morning is to be open to a God. Everyone say God. Appointed. Grace. That God appointed grace that says, you know what? I can do this for you. Zacharias and Elizabeth open up the season of miracles. And then an angel appears to Mary and says, hail Mary. Which you know what that means? It doesn't mean what we think it means. It doesn't mean salute you, almighty holy one. It means something good's about to happen to you. There's a song that we um, used to sing when I was a child. My parents would sing it. It was also was Oral Roberts' theme song. It's something good. Um, I just feel like something good is about to happen. I just feel like something good is on its way. And it goes on, and it's a wonderful thought. Look at your neighbor and say, something good is about to happen. The Almighty offers that promise. And he says, Hail Mary, something good's going to happen to you. Redemption is the beautiful word that embraces all of God's divine program of recovery. If you think recovery is CR, recovery is God's theme. Recovery is found from Genesis to, restoration, uh, to Revelation of God restoring mankind back to himself. It reclaims the lost. It forgives sin. It fulfills his purpose in each one of us. Everyone say redemption. And in that moment, God raises expectation. What I've, I felt as I studied for this didn't know I was going to do this till about 11 last night in a few minutes this morning, is that God regards the lowly. Listen to this. Mary said, you have come to the dung heel of the earth. You know what? That's so encouraging to me because that's a promise that God is whispering to you. He's whispering to me. He's giving you, don't be afraid, God says. Dung hills don't stop me. Castles don't stop me. Palaces don't stop me. Open wide your faith and prepare to move forth in joy. She says he has not forgotten the lowly state of his servant. That means Mary was poor. Everyone say poor. Listen to this. God comes to dung hills. The verse that we are that I, the Lord gave me and we begin to use for Queen for a Day is from the song of Hannah. And Mary repeats the song of Hannah and adds some words to it. When she finds out, she's going to give birth to the Christ child. And in there it says, he lifts the poor out of the ashes. That's the verse that I, the Lord gave me for Queen Faith. And sets them in their royal places of dignity. Guess what? That came from two women who were very poor, who the Lord said, you've been judged for this or that. Things have happened in your life you didn't want to happen. Some you called, some you didn't. But guess what? I'm the one who spoke light into a chaotic world in the Genesis void, and my light has kept the universe revolving. So let me say to you this morning, God can do what God says he can do. Someone give him a hand this morning. I want us to remember as I'm coming down to the last few minutes of this message, I want you to listen to me. We're seeing supernatural, but don't overlook the unsupernatural moments they had. Don't look at the, uh, don't forget that Elizabeth had to carry a baby when she was well advanced. She had to get a senior discount and a junior discount at the same time. Come on, somebody. She was very well advanced. And there she is. And then Elizabeth's doing that. Mary's having to deal with a baby and convince. I'm not going to go down that route. It's one that we've talked quite a bit. But listen to me. There are moments when you're in a church service. Or maybe you're driving down the road. Or maybe you're at home. And just something overwhelms you and gives you hope, you know. It may be a song. You feel like the Lord is saying, I'm, I'm going to do something good. This is something good's coming your way. 
I'm going to do something mighty. And in that moment, it's so easy to believe. Are you like me? We're in here singing, and the lights are up, and, and we're all praising him. I feel like I can run through a troop and leap over a wall. Can I get an amen? But then sometimes you get alone. We used to say growing up, I hope it's not offensive to anyone, everything is um, honky-dory when we grew up. Oh, everything's honky-dory. It's just something we said. There's a lot of times when the dory gets honky. Can I get an amen? When things just get a little messy, and all of a sudden you find the hope in your heart. It's like the, I always said, what happened to people when the angel departed? It's great that angels would come. The other night, Pam put me between Perry and Tammy, James at the Hope House dinner, and so for 45 minutes to an hour, Perry and I discussed every angel, hidden treasures of the ark, and other things. I've, we've done that with Perry for 30-some years, as long as we've known him. But in that thing we were discussing, how he sold 50,000 copies of the book of angels, and Tammy was saying, we've got to get to 100,000 to get it on the New York Times bestseller. So I was discussing that with him. Not, I'm just in between them and going on that. We are all mystified with angels. Can I get an Amen. We all think it would be wonderful. And I've told this before, but my dear, one of my dear besties, Joni, when we were both evangelist's wife, we were reading this book by Roland Buck, and it was fascinating. Angels on Assignment. And we read two books, and then we'd call each other on landlines because we didn't have cell phones back in that day, people. So we would call each other, and we would discuss the books. And then we'd go stay with them for three weeks, and she and I would sit up. She's told this a lot on TV. After, we'd sit up to 3 in the morning. We didn't have kids. We didn't have a life, and we would sing songs. We had tracks. She'd give me tracks, and we'd practice our songs. Back in that day, I was, I was a singer. And we would sing. And during those times, we would discuss what we were reading, and we would hunger and I said, we need to pray that angels would appear. She goes, yes, Rondela, we need to pray that angels would appear. So we began to pray, and then one day she called me. She goes, Rhonda, you're not going to believe what happened last night. I said, what? I was lying in bed. Marcus was in the other end of the house studying, and all of a sudden I sensed the Shekinah glory of the Lord coming into my bedroom. I sensed it, Rhonda, the hair on my head, on my arms, everywhere was just standing up. I mean, I was shaking. I could sense him did you do? She said, I reached down. She was serious. And she, I pulled the covers over my head and I said, not now. I can't handle it. Just go away, please. <laughs> Anybody ever been there? And I had some of those same things. Not now, Lord. I can't look. If you're in this room, I ain't going to look because you're going to scare me because you sense that glory. You sense that anointing. Now I've had, that's why usually angels come unaware. That's why usually angels don't look like angels. That's why people are often angels, but they do come. And some of us have seen them. And it's not something unless you're ready to see consistently. But here's the deal. When angels come, there's a moment they go back to heaven. Everyone say they go back. And then you are left to walk it out yourself. What do you do when you feel on supernatural? It's easy to say I can run through a troop and leap over a wall when I'm just feeling powerful and awesome. There's a verse in Proverbs that says, don't wait till you feel powerful or confident or you will, you can tell I've memorized it, or you will never get anything done. So I say to Rhonda Davis, you don't feel too powerful today, do you? Well, don't wait till you do or you'll never get anything done. You got to step up, step in, and do what God has called you to do, whether you feel supernatural or not. Come on, somebody. Whether you feel powerful, because the angel will leave. And you have to wonder in that moment like us, Maybe this whole thing's just something I've made up. Anybody else with me? Maybe this is just something I tried to convince myself that I'm going to be healed. Maybe I tried to convince myself I'm going to be a happy marriage. Maybe I tried to convince myself that I'm going to be blessed. How long has this been? It's been like two weeks. And did I actually hear what I thought I heard? Or have I talked myself into believing something God's going to do? If I'm really loved and chosen, who's I'm open to becoming a great thing that God wants to do in me, why do I feel so unsupernatural now and so alone? What's going to happen now? I'm going to tell you something. You better learn how to go to a restaurant by yourself and not be afraid. Come on now. You, oh, I do it all the time. I go by myself walking in. Like, I don't even tell them I have family. I just let them think I'm some person all alone. Sit down and visit with them. And I know they're like, whoa, she's happy. Now, I love to eat with Pastor Moore. But if I'm off doing a little shopping thing, I go on. You've got to learn to be at peace when you are alone. 
because people will not always surround you. Can I get an amen? You've got to learn to stand up by yourself. Everyone should go somewhere by yourself and tell yourself, I own this. I went to a big mall one time. My friend Missy shops in higher places, and I, someone gave me a lot of money to buy something at St. John's store many moons ago for TV. And when I went in there, I called Missy, and I said, oh, my Lord, I'm going to leave. She goes, what are you thinking? And I said, I don't belong here. These people are so rich. She said, straighten yourself up. This is the way friends talk to each other. You belong there. You're God's daughter. You got the money in your pocket. Now you just strut down through that rich mall. Look at all of those wealthy people. Like, I don't know where you poor idiots came from, but I'm here to rule. Come on, somebody. You know, but sometimes you got to talk yourself off the wall that you belong somewhere. That you are strong. That it is good. That you are the person. When I train people, I say, They'll say, well, I would go to that thing, but I don't feel like I belong there. I said, I'm the co-pastor, and I don't feel like I always belong somewhere. I'll talk myself off the wall and come in and say, yeah, I belong here. Hey, people, how you doing, brothers and sisters? Good to see all of you. Boop, 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 boop. You know what I mean? You will learn to do great things in your life if you can lean into the courage of who Christ is and say, I don't always need to have an angel around me. I don't always need to feel powerful. I don't always need to have a word. I don't always need to have some goosebumps. 99% of the victories in my life are done without goosebumps. Can you give the Lord a hand clap of praise? It's true. Go ahead. It's true. Come on, somebody. It's true. The angel will depart. Look at your neighbor and say, the angel will leave. Come on, you're okay. Look at someone and say, the angel will leave. Come on, you're okay. You're okay. There you go. So in those moments, you've got to learn, I'm going to walk out what God has given me. If one of the musicians will come and help me, and I'll start going sort of toward the end. Because there's going to be moments. That's okay, Jeannie. Go ahead and laugh. Everybody needs laughter. There's going to be moments that you will stand by yourself. I thank God for my best and dearest friends. I thank God for my elders. I thank God above all for my husband and for my daughters. My husband is my go-to guy. If, if we're not talking on the phone every 15 minutes, there's something wrong if we're not together. But guys, God wants to do something powerful in our life that we can find the courage to say, if I stand alone, I'll stand. For a season there, no one, everyone say no one, stood with Mary. Misty, when you learn in those weak moments to encourage yourself, you'll get a miracle like these people got. You see, the interesting thing is God came to the shepherds, to the very poor. I mean, if you want to think about mundane days, if you think your job clocking in is mundane, Lordy mercy, go out in a field with some sheep and live with them and live with them and live with them. But when the heavenly host came down, they came to some faithful shepherds. And they said, peace, goodwill to all men. Everyone say, peace. The miracle of Christmas is the peace. Robert Morris was sharing, Joni Lamb's pastor. I've met he and his wife. They know who I am. They've watched me on TV, which was humiliating to me when they told me that. I was like, oh, God. But it is what it is. Um, and they had good things to say, but Pastor Robert's a great speaker. And he was sharing how they've done some TV work. And, you know, he almost died earlier this year. And all the TV people want Debbie to come on, and she hates TV. And the interviewers always say, how did you make it? When you were FaceTiming your children and saying goodbye to them, how did you make it when you had to drive by yourself to the hospital? And if you saw some of the prayer that went on around the earth, they were praying him from death to life. He was dying without question. And churches all over the world were praying. And she said, I can't explain it but to say this. Karen, this unbelievable supernatural peace, she said, came upon me. When that heavenly host began to sing, glory to God in the highest, peace and good will toward men. Don't you ever let anyone tell you this is a God-forsaken world. It is not. The words still reverberate around this universe of peace and goodwill. Someone say peace and goodwill. That means God has good plans for you, Christine. That means God has great plans for you, Dylan. Gene, that God has good plans to fulfill your longings, to secure your future, to give you confident direction.
to give you a godly self good image, to point you to a brighter tomorrow. That's the miracle of Christmas, to bring you through life's fires, to free you from life's prisons, to take you safely through life's storms, and to bring you ultimately to victory. That's the miracle. Sometimes these people all serve someone else's miracle. Jesus was born, but it wasn't pretty. Remember, the path to fulfillment is not always fulfilling. People get their eyes, we all do, on fulfillment. This is what this looks like for me. This is what it looks like for me. And we, we just kind of get a middle picture of what that looks like. But the path to fulfillment is hard. I want to tell you something in this society. I just read some amazing stats from some Christian authors. I didn't have it ready because I didn't know I was going to speak this morning. But that I've been working on. And it talks about these Christian leaders are saying that it's scary how we're removing burdens off of people. Just drive through and get all your food. No one sits at a dinner table. Burdens of text, 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 24-7, binge watching. God put upon this earth and upon his people, now listen to me, an easy yoke, but there is a burden. What I'm saying, the burden of work, the burden of walking through things. Nazareth was not the center of spiritual promise. And sometimes we think, you know, when I get everything in order, in fact, someone just this week, said, Pastor Rhonda, I'll be back when I get everything in order. I was like, you know better than that. You know better than that. Nazareth wasn't the center of spiritual promise, but neither are we. And in that stage where flies filled the air and unpleasant smells filled the sentence, where end of life circumstances said no hope, he came. Someone say he came. The lamb was born in a manger to be sacrificed on a cross. Can I get an amen? The only begotten son of the highest was conceived and born to spend his life as a price to regain a lost race. Jesus, our Emmanuel. Can you say amen? That miracle, we must not minimize the promise of hope because the Father is still breathing hope into you and I. Yes, they seem like a privileged cast, but guess what? You are privileged too. And in the ending moments, to my older friends like me, I want to tell you something. Two more people appear in this cast, some really old people. Anna, who was 104 minimum, who had been serving in the house of the Lord since her husband died as a young widow. She had served for 84 years. She was one of the first to recognize Christ. Simeon, I think of many Simeons in this room. He was a faithful man. You could always count on Simeon. You didn't wonder where he was. I love people like that. I don't wonder where they are. If they're not here, I have no wonder because I know they're faithful. He was waiting for the coming of Jesus, and God told him, you, Simeon, will not die till you see the Messiah. I want to say by the Spirit of the Lord, there's some people in this room that you wonder, will you go out before you'll see what God promised you? I feel prompted by the Spirit to say, you are going to see in your lifetime salvation of some of your children. What Simeon said, my eyes have seen your salvation. What you are going to see is restoration this week. Misty found out that her daughter is probably going to come and live with them. She's going to see the restoration in her lifetime. Something five years ago she would have never thought was six years ago was possible. But I hear the Spirit say, restoration of some things you've wondered you'd see in your lifetime you will you will to the faithful among us the older the mature the ones that have believed and believed and believed the miracle is always that God comes to you you don't have to earn Christmas you don't have to perform it you don't have to make it you just open your heart you say I want this miracle you see this was a great cast but none of them were perfect. This was a great cast, but none of them were without error. This was a great plot, the redemption of mankind. But you today are involved in the redemption of mankind. Paul said, we are called to be ambassadors. In my time, people have said to me, you're just only supposed to preach. Or then they'll say, you're only supposed to run theater. You're supposed to work in recovery. No, you're not supposed to work in recovery. None of my people in this house or my elders have said it, but other people. But you know what? I place my life goal on. If that means coming up here this morning at 7, don't be impressed. Because there's people that do a lot more behind the scenes than me. 
come up here at 7 to empty water and put lights out. If that's what God's called me to do today, I am an ambassador of Jesus Christ to make him visible to the earth. Don't you dare judge your day, your hour. If you are bringing Christ to those around you or even to yourself, you are winning. So give him a hand clap of praise. Come on. Give him a hand clap of praise. God has chosen you to be an ambassador, to be like Mary, to have that willing heart to say, Whatever it costs me, I'm willing. I'm willing. It's a scary prayer. I'm willing. If you'll overshadow me, Holy Spirit. I speak to you today, my people. Open your hearts to me, Satan. Let the power of my spirit strengthen you this very day. I make the weak strong. I make those without power have might. In the very corner of your doubts and fears, you have wonder. But I come to you today to say, I am the Lord God who gives you strength. I am your invincible heart, and I will give you feet that stand steadfast. For I have chosen you. You are mine, says the Lord. And I have chosen to bring my promise to this earth through you, sons and daughters. You are who I have chosen. Be willing, be obedient, and receive. Do not suggest to me others that I can. Do not suggest to me others that can take your place. Do not give me a list of your mistakes in the past. For I know it all, says the Lord. I have chosen you to bring my son to this earth. Receive my hope, says the Lord. that I, the Lord, remember my promise. I will not fail for you have said I've been faithful to you, Father. I have done what you've required. But these things are unfinished in my life. And the Lord says, shake those thoughts off. I, the Lord, who made the promise, will fulfill what at a time that you think not, says the Lord, I will perform every good word. You have not seen me working behind the scenes, says the Spirit, and neither did the people that were spoken of this morning. None of them knew I was coming, but I came into a manger. I came into a priest service. I came to lowly shepherds who were in the mundane moments in the field. I broke open the heavenly, says the Spirit of the Lord, and I came, but none of them saw me coming, and neither do you. Stay faithful. Stay consistent. Stay willing and obedient servants of the Lord, for I will not fail you. That is the miracle I bring to you today, says the Spirit of me. Can you just lift your hands before him right now or put a hand on your heart? And receive, we receive your word, Holy Spirit. Come on right now, receive what he said. Receive what he said. Somewhere in there, there's something that stood out to you. There's something that stood out to you. There's something that stood out to you. Receive it right now. Receive it right now from his spirit. God said some specific things. Maybe they all, maybe they all, maybe they all counted unto you as thoughts that you've been thinking, but maybe one or two did. Receive that right now. Receive that. We say, be it unto us according to your word. If you look up just for this last moment of this, and that is what Mary said. Be it unto me according to your word. Lord, whatever you have said for my life, I know sometimes I resist you, fight with you. 
give you a thousand reasons why you should choose someone else. I'm just trying to speak for all of us, but some of this speaks for me too. But Lord, whatever you say, be it to me. Lord, just keep your eyes open for those that you just said. Help me remember what you said, sir, that are giving you reasons why it should be someone else. For those who said past or mistakes, those that are wondering, Lord, let them say to you today, be it to me according to your word. Everyone say, be it to me according to your word. I want to say this in a closing moment, and then I want to pray over you. There were so many prophecies about this miracle, so many ways that the devil should have seen it was coming, but he couldn't stop it. No power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand. Here in the power of Christ I stand. Some of my favorite lines and a favorite song, but it's true. In Isaiah 9 and 7, they said the increase of his government and peace there would be no end, and upon his throne, his kingdom, he would establish. In Matthew 1 and 1, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, it was fulfilled. The devil couldn't stop it. In Micah 5 and 2, but you, Bethlehem, that though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me a one who will be a ruler. And his goings forth shall be from everlasting to everlasting. In Matthew 2 and 1, now after this, Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king. It was said in Daniel 9 and 25, at the time of his birth, know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the command to restore and build Jerusalem till the Messiah, the prince, there shall be 70 weeks and 62 weeks. The street shall be built again and end the wall and even in troublesome time and in Luke 2 and 1. And it came to pass in those days, everyone say those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census, he came, Isaiah 7 and 14. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Now the birth of Jesus Christ, Matthew 1 and 18, is as followed. His mother Mary was betrothed to Jesus, to Joseph. Before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. They prophesied in Hosea that he would have to leave into Egypt. In Isaiah, that he would have a ministry in Galilee. But guess what? All those prophecies, Herod couldn't stop them. Satan and all of his principalities and lords of darkness, every evil Roman soldier that came to kill babies could not stop the prophecy and the appointed words of Jesus Christ, our Savior. He broke through the darkness. He broke through the legions of the damned. He broke through every resistance. And I've got a word for you this morning. Whatever God has decreed over your life, the enemy cannot stop it. He cannot thwart it. He cannot resist it. Not your shortcomings. Not your mistakes. Come on, somebody. Not your weaknesses. God will have his will. Let's stand and give him praise this morning. Come on, everyone stand and just put your hands together. Come on, someone bless his name. Come on, put your hands together. Hallelujah. So I want to pray over you this morning. I want to pray that miracles would be yours. God is the author. You are one of the cast members. The plot is redemption. The plot is restoration. The plot is restoring. Stay a servant. Servant is the highest order in the kingdom. No title precedes servant. Stay a servant. Be willing. Be obedient. And receive what he says over you. Would you turn and grab someone's hand two or three I want you to make little prayer circles in this closing moment I want you to pray over someone by you or some people around you come on I want you to pray over their destiny and over miracles that are to come go ahead and just start lifting your voice I'm going to pray too Father in the name of Jesus thank you thank you for interrupting this service to speak to your people thank you Father for encouraging us not only about miracles, but about destiny. Thank you for showing us you went to the dunghill of the earth to find women to carry your gospel. You went to the wise men who were rich. You went to shepherds who were lowly. And Lord, you come to us. You went to Zacharias and Elizabeth, mature believers, and you come to us. You went, Lord God, to Anna and Simeon who had been holding up the house 
for many years. This morning, I pray for the hand I'm holding. I pray for every man and woman, every child and youth on this premises. What you have preordained for them, let the miracle of Christmas remind them it is still yet to come. For the promises unfilled, Lord, let them find courage and hope. Father, let peace reside in their heart. Let the hope spring eternal. Lord, this morning they may say, but I have hoped and I have hoped. God, light the kindle of hope yet once again. Let us be reminded you're a healing Jesus. You're a restoring Jesus. You're a kind Jesus. You're a saving Jesus. And you make us powerful. You make us confident. Lord, when the supernatural feeling leaves, when there's no goosebumps, when there's no song on the radio, when Josh isn't leading worship, when no one is preaching and we feel so unsupernatural, let us remember you are the one who gave the promise. You are the one who called us and you are the one who will fulfill it. We give you glory, Father, in Jesus' name. Now give him one more hand clap of praise this morning. Hallelujah, we bless your name, Jesus. Hallelujah, we bless your name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Just be seated for one moment. We want to give you an opportunity to give this morning an offering before you go. And um, I want to encourage you to uh, locate yourself in this word. I'm a crying mess up here, but that's okay. At least my false eyelashes did not come off. This is something to praise God for. Wait till you're almost 60. You'll add them too. Um, but here's the deal. Locate yourself in the word. Locate something today and think, what is the Spirit saying to me today? When you leave, I should have told you that before, but that's what I always do. What are you saying to me? What is you saying to me today? Find that sentence, that word, and walk it out and believe God for miracles. If you need an offering envelope, if you lift your hand, I do, Pastor Todd, please, and a tithe envelope, and we'll get one to you. The market is open today. We have lots of things out there. We need you to take them, take them, take them, take them. Um, what we've been doing is kind of like evangelism, food feeding. So you think like, well, I can't eat four dozen eggs, but I can eat two. So I'm going to take two to somebody else. But we want you to take them and give them to your neighbors and or someone that you know that's just having a hard time. Just say, hey, my church has a Sunday morning market, and we just love you, and Merry Christmas. And encourage somebody with some extra food, okay? So take something to somebody. We see you Wednesday night. We love you with the love of the Lord. Merry Christmas. See you next Sunday for beautiful Advent Sunday. It's going to be holy and beautiful. We love you, Church of the Harvest. God bless you as you go out and conquer.